This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good morning. Good Saturday morning to you. And joining me this morning is our friend Julie Weisenhardt from the University of Minnesota Extension. Good morning, Julie. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I hope you guys are too there and uh, ensconced. Uh, what uh, What are your plans <laughs> for your lawn and garden today? That's the first thing I want to ask you. It's going to be a nice day for outdoor work. Yeah, it will be pretty nice. Um, you know, we are pretty much wrapped up for the season. So mm. um, most of it is cleaning up the yard after the dog and uh, <laughs> staying on top of that. But uh, yeah, there's not a whole lot left to do. So we're kind of just uh, kicking back at this point. Well, that's good. I, uh, we were blowing some leaves. We had so many leaves. I, it seems like this is the craziest year I've ever seen, at least in our yard. Lots and of leaves. Lots of them. Uh, so we did some leaf blowing yesterday and uh, got a ton, uh, moved that and moved out. Today, and in fact, I'm looking at a text message as well that relates to the same thing. We're going to take out the lawnmower. Right. And I didn't think the lawn needed mowing, but you know what? It does. And what's what's your what's your take on that and how short should should you mow the lawn this time of year if you're going to do it? Well, you know, normally we recommend throughout the growing season to mow it around 3 inches or a little bit higher even. And now though, you want to cut it at about 2 inches because you want to get rid of that extra bulk. Mm-hmm. Um that we have those little critters called moles or I'm sorry, voles that uh, can wreak some havoc, and they like to kind of tunnel underneath the longer grass. So if your grass is very long and kind of flops over under the snow, it's like a perfect little environment for voles. So cutting it at about two inches is recommended at this point. And you can still dormant seed, too, because yes. we don't, you know, it's it's too cold for that seed to germinate. So you can still get out there and put some seed down in preparation for next spring. That's exactly part two of what I'll be doing today. <laughs> Finally getting some dormant seeding. I anticipated seeding. that. <laughs> <laughs> a texter says this, uh, lawn and garden question, can I finish mowing part of my lawn that I did not get mowed because the mower broke down? It happened before last snow. So I don't know what that person is going to be doing if they have a broken lawnmower. Yeah, if they, if they got their lawnmower fixed, yes, absolutely. You can finish mowing today, this weekend. All right. Tell you what, if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question for Julie, by all means, call it in or text it in. It's the same number, 651-989-9226. Again, 651-989-9226. And keep in mind that the time goes by so quickly. Uh, Don't wait. If you do have a question, uh, send it to us. uh, Call uh, Julie or send Julie a text, whatever is easier. Um, Let's see. I know 
I'll tell you what, you know, we're already getting calls and more text messages, as usual, Julie. So let's go get to it. Frank is first up here, I think, calling from uh, Roseville. Frank, you're on with Julie. Hi, good morning. Good morning. You just uh, answered part of my question about dormant seeding. I wasn't sure if it was getting, if it would still germinate or not. So I I guess I will go out and spread some seed on there. The squirrels have done a great job of aerating my lawn for me, so... (laughs) I, I just wanted to make sure it wasn't too early to dormant seed yet. No, it's it's a good time to dormant seed, um, and especially because it's too cold for that seed to germinate. So, and that's what your goal is. Our soil temperatures. I did a, a kind of looked around. We have a great website through the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources called the Six Inch Soil Temperature. Or wait, is it through the DN the MDA? Uh, nope, MDA. I'm sorry, the Minnesota Department of Agriculture. I stand corrected. And uh, you can click on around the map where we have soil sensors and soil temperatures uh, reported. And they're all around, it looks like from Kitson County in the top corner down to Rochester, the range is around 35 to 40, 42 degrees. So so that soil is too cold for that seed to germinate at this point. So you can go ahead and put that seed down. It will lie dormant through the winter, hence the name dormant seeding. And then uh, come spring when temperatures warm up and the moisture is available, that seed will germinate. You'll be one step ahead of yourself on your lawn care for the summer. Fingers are crossed. Okay. (laughs) Mary Lou is calling in from Crystal this morning to ask you a question, Julie. Mary Lou, uh, Julie's listening. Good morning. I love the show and I call in a lot. (laughs) Anyway, I have an indoor plant question. Uh, Friends have a plant that they are calling Trinity. And so my granddaughter helped me look on the um, the app for the identify plants on your phone. Okay. And one of them came up as uh, as a dracinia or a dragon tree. Does that okay. sound familiar? Okay. And the other one was called a uh, good luck good luck palm. Hmm. And I guess they need to know uh, is a north window good for that? and um, like watering and and pruning? Well, that is a good question. I actually, while you were saying that, I actually uh, went ahead and uh, Googled it too. It looks to me like it's actually what we would call maybe a tritoscantia, the flowers, uh, where they have three petals, and that might be the nickname Trinity plant. Um, but I... I'm afraid I can't really weigh in on your plant because I'm not sure what plant it is. I think uh, what I would probably do is is maybe bring it to one of your local garden centers or take a photo of it and bring it, or you can put a photo on Ask Extension on our website and ask for a plant identification. Take some really clear photos, take a close-up of it, and that might help. I don't think it's Boy, I just don't know what it might be, except, yeah, I think that would be the best thing to do. Yeah, do the picture. If we can get a photo of it. Yeah, very good. Good idea. Uh, Let's see, who's next? Uh, Karen is calling in from Edina this morning, I believe. Karen, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, uh, Julia, thank you for taking my call. And um, I have some, uh, I think, an unusual situation. Okay. There is a dogwood outside my window, uh, and it's, well, it's at least, let's say, 12 years old. 
Maybe okay. not much more than that. And it, you know, desert flowering. It was totally bare last week. Okay. Totally bare. It is in full budding form right now. Total buds all over the tree. Was and leaf, I wondered. Leaf buds? Pardon? Leaf buds, leaf buds or flower buds? <sighs> That's a good question, but I. Okay. I don't really know, mate. Oh, well, the flower buds always come first, so I thought maybe that was it. Did it get a little confused with the warm <laughs> weather? And will this affect its budding in the spring? Well, that is a good question, and it is kind of an unusual one. Um, we actually have an article about it on our Yard and Garden News because I was getting that same question about lilacs. We were getting so many people uh, writing in and saying, why are my lilacs reblooming in the fall? And of course, we all know those are spring blooming plants. My mother's azaleas bloomed in the fall. Uh, and so, so we get that question periodically, and it has a lot to do with the weather. Um, environmental stress, like heat and drought, will cause plants to respond in a variety of ways. Um, and so one of the things is, is uh, when plants that rebloom, um, uh, like that, they're called remontant, and they bloom that second, they flower a second time in one growing season. Um, it has to do with environmental stressors, heat and drought, and then a cold period that kind of simulates winter, and then the flower buds may break dormancy and open up. So that your plant is a little bit confused, but it's something that we do see periodically, and this year has been, I think I've had more questions about the lilacs in particular uh, than any other plant. So it shouldn't affect next spring's bloom. Uh, that's the good. That's the good news about it. Um, there, so it it may or may not bloom, or and if it's or if it's leafing, it may, you know, the leaves will probably die. We had a, a kind of a hard frost last night, so so you can read about it uh, a little bit more on our yard and garden news, which is our um, comes out twice a month, and it's uh, news, just news information. And the article is called Reblooming Plants That Reflect the Growing Season. Well, there you go. And the website is? Extension.umn.edu. And the term is remontant. Remontant. All right, Julie, hang on. We'll uh, take a quick break here. We have more callers. We have more textures here on our Smart Garden Show. Here on News Talk A3O-WCCO, stay with us. And good morning, good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to this portion of our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota helping you out today. Uh, let's see, Julie. Oh, boy. We have textures. We have callers. Uh, let, let's, uh, let me grab this text here that, that came in earlier. It says, when is the best time to prune a northern catalpa? Well, I, would, I believe that that would be after it blooms. So that is a spring blooming or early season blooming plant, amazing plant, a gigantic plant. And uh, it produces these incredible orchid-like flowers. It's absolutely beautiful when it's in full bloom. They don't last very long. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, and then they go on to produce these long skinny pods. They look like big green beans hanging from that plant. So I would prune it after it blooms. I think if you prune it now, the chances you're going to prune off some of the flowers, and that is really a major reason for growing that plant. Is there a catalpa tree too? That is what they're referring to. Oh, it is. Catalpa. Yep. Okay. 
I think yeah, I've it's seen a gigantic those. tree. Very much so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a texter wants you to respond to this mowing the lawn. It said, "If I mowed my lawn at two inches, I'd be scalping it. I have it at two point seven five. Well, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. We don't recommend grow, recommend uh, mowing it at two inches all the time. Just in the fall, this last mow of the season, right. and that's to eliminate right. that extra grass surface. Let's go back to the phones. Julie Dale is calling in this morning from Elk River with a question. Dale, Julie is listening. Hello, Dale. Dale is scrambling for the phone. Hi, Dale. Okay. Uh Tell you what, Dale. Dale's decided to leave. (laughs) He's in his car. All right. Well, Dale. uh, Maybe he'll call back. Absolutely. All right. You mentioned the term vole a bit ago, which is yep. kind of, they're kind of like field mice, right? Looking yeah, like real that. short little tails. Little well, uh, text, texter Julie wants to know, what, is there a, a vole repellent? I, I've never heard of that. but Not, uh, not really. Uh, voles are, um, they feed on the bark around trees and shrubs. So that's one reason to uh, eliminate that longer grass is to make it less hospitable. And there really isn't a repellent that you can put down successfully for the winter. So the best thing to do is if you have uh, trees and shrubs that the voles will feed on, so you're looking for those thin bark trees, you know, younger trees, is to put a a cage of uh, hardware cloth around it, around the stem, and make sure set it out away from the stem a little bit, and then bury the base of it a couple of inches down in the ground. You can still do that. Our soil's not frozen quite yet. Uh, You could still cut a little edge around there, and then sink that fencing down so the voles can't crawl under the fencing. Okay. Uh, you were right about uh, getting a lot of uh, questions about lilacs uh, with <laughs> green buds. We yet got another one. Uh, maybe they joined us a little bit late. Texas says, should I be concerned, or only this year should they be concerned about it? And it'll be fine next. Uh, it should be fine in the spring, yeah. It's not going to significantly affect your bloom next year. Okay. Dexter says, uh, I have a hydrangea trees in my backyard. I never cut them back until spring. Is that the right thing to do? I, I like to recommend that for hydrangeas because I enjoy the dried hydrangea flowers through the winter. There's not a lot to look at. Uh, and those hydrangea flowers really add interest through the winter. So you can leave them on and then cut them back in the spring just like you're doing. That's perfectly fine. Julia Texter says, I have heard that systemic insecticides hurt bees and butterflies. Uh, that it gets in the pollen. Have you heard about that? Well, neonicotinoids, which is a a class of uh, systemic um, uh, pesticides, will get into, they're called systemic because they are taken up by the plant and they get into the parts of the plant. And there has been research that shows that it does get into the pollen. So you have to really, when you're considering about using a systemic or, or actually what the problem is that you're trying to control, uh, you really want to think about uh, and properly identify the pest and make sure it's a pest that is really, you know, is it cosmetic or is it actually going to kill your plant? If it's cosmetic, we as humans need to accept that a little bit and just say, you know what, I understand this is just cosmetic. It's not going to kill my plant. I don't need to use a pesticide. And uh, and you have to remember, you have to look at and read the instructions on on uh, pesticides as well. If, and that pesticide is a general term for herbicides, rodenticides, insecticides, um, fungicides, anything that kills something is a pesticide. 
Mm-hmm. So even vinegar, <laughs> strong vinegar, that'll do it. Yeah. That'll do it too. Uh, so you have to read the instructions really well, but but you are correct that the systemic, some of the systemics, not all of them, uh, will harm bees and get into okay. the pollen and the nectar. Texter says this, Julie, my lawn is covered with leaves. I cannot get anyone to clean it up. Will the grass die? Well, if they're very, uh, very, very heavy, dense leaves, it's going to make it very difficult in the spring for the grass to grow. Those leaves are going to mat down over the winter and basically form a covering over your grass. So if you have a lawnmower and you can at least mow into those leaves uh, and shred them up, that's great. If you have a leaf blower or can borrow one from a neighbor and blow them all into a pile somewhere, that would help. Blow them off your lawn. There's a number of things you can do that way. I don't know what the, um, you know, you can't get someone to come and help, but maybe there's maybe there's a neighbor who can loan you some equipment that would help you. Yeah, that's a good idea. Julie, we need to take a quick break, bottom of the hour break. So stay with us. If you have a question, a lawn and garden type of question for Julie, call it in or text it in. It's the same number, 651-989-9226. Back with more Smart Garden here on News Talk 830 WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denning along here, along with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota, who's answering your questions by phone and by text as usual here on our Lana Garden Show. And many text messages, Julie, as usual. You're not surprised at that for sure. Not surprised. Let's see. Here's, well, we mentioned that. Again, for those that joined us later, later, we were talking about at the top of the show about dormant seating. Uh, With the warmer temps, this listener uh, should, should I wait to dormant seed? And you say no. No, I think you should go ahead and do it. Um, the warmer temps are pretty short-lived, and um, the soil temperatures are cool enough now. So as I said earlier, they're, depending on where you are in the state, they could be anywhere from about 35 to 40, 41 degrees. So it you should be just fine to put down that seed for next year. If you want to call in your lawn or garden question or text it, it's the same number, 651-989-9226. Uh, Julie Texter says this, I have a corn plant. How do I care for it? I kill the first one by overwatering. Yeah, that's a common thing with house plants. So a corn plant, it's also a type of a dracaena. And it looks, it has leaves that look kind of like corn leaves. They hearken to corn leaves. And uh, it's got kind of a big, straight, woody stem that's coarsely barked. And you see it, it's very common. You see it in a lot of um, kind of narrow areas because it's a very vertical plant. You want to just, again, you learned about the overwatering. Definitely with all our house plants, you want to feel the soil before you water it. You want to try to avoid watering on a schedule and make sure that your pot drains well. If you have a, a plant, you know, a lot of plants that we buy come in these decorative pots that don't have a drainage hole. You want to be sure that you take the plant. The plant will be in a plastic sleeve inside of that. You want to take that out and water the plant and then put it back into the decorative pot. Just make sure it drains really well. Uh, the Dracaenas are pretty easy care plants other than that. So I think they, they are kind of an indirect light type of plant. Uh, they grow as understory plants in their native, uh, more tropical environments. And they make a really nice plant for a narrow place like a corner. But make sure that it does get a, some light. So it's kind of a medium light type of plant. Okay. Texter wants to know on the university website, is there a place for plant identification? That would be Ask Extension. So on the main page of the site of the uh, website, you'll see 
uh, Master Gardeners, and you'll see Ask, Ask a Master Gardener. And if you click on that, you can email up to, I think, three photos and then type your question in there. And we have lots of Master Gardeners, including me, <laughs> answering questions for people. So um, we're pretty fast. We try to get back to people within 24 hours. I was thinking, I was driving near the uh, Arboretum the other day. Yes. And I thought, what a great time of year. Of course, every Beautiful. any time of year is great, but this is this yeah. is really a fun time of year. I uh, still need a ticket to get in, right? Still need a ticket to get in. So if you click on the, if you go to the University of Minnesota Landscape Arboretum website, uh, you can just reserve your time. And uh, the they also have the um, the winter lights that uh, are going on. However, that is sold out for the season because that we also needed a ticket for that and. And uh, there were a limited number of those because of the COVID situation. So, um, but you can still go and drive around the Arboretum. Uh, the, the Oswald Visitor Center is open. Uh, the gift shop is open. Uh, you can't bring food, but you, you can't buy food, but you can bring food if you want to have a picnic, if it's nice enough outside, or if you're going to bring a, a thermos of cocoa or something uh, and walk the grounds, you can do that too. So um, I think children under 12 are free. Okay. And of course, members, you don't have to pay. You just have to make a reservation. Okay. Good, good, good info. Texter wants to know, Julie, is there any problem with leaving a few apples on my apple tree over winter? No, no they will probably drop off in the spring just fine. So if you can't reach them and you're concerned about those at the top of the tree, uh, just leave them there. They'll drop off in the spring. You can pick them up then. 651-989-9226 if you want to chat with Julie. Or send Julie a text, same number as we said, 651-989-9226. Another question about dormant seeding. Do I need to add black dirt to dormant seed or just spread seed and rake it in? Please quickly explain, if you will, the dormant seeding process and what kind of seed to use. You want to you want to cut your grass low there, uh, down to that two inches that we mentioned earlier, and then overseed it uh, with a type of seed that is suitable for the growing environment. In other words, if it's a full sun site, you want full sun seed. If it's a shady site, you want a shade seed mix. And uh, you don't really need to, you can rake it in a little bit, that would help. The better your soil to seed contact, the better your germination in the spring. So you want that seed to be touching the soil. You don't want it sitting up on top of the blades of the leaves or blades of the plants, which is the reason that you cut it short to do your dormant seeding. And we have access to pretty darn good grass seed in this area, too, don't we? We do. We have excellent seed suppliers in Minnesota. Yeah. Another question about the website. Uh, Does the university's website have information on growing hemp for CBD? Uh, That one, not on the Yard and Garden News uh, or the Yard and Garden page. That might be something, though. I know that there are hemp researchers uh, I'm not sure if it is the hemp for CBD uh, quality, though. So that would be something to to go to our site and just click it, type it into the search page and uh, and or the search box and and go ahead and see what's out there. I know people are doing research on it. Okay, very good. Uh, question is uh, comes from a text uh, the text line: Are Christmas trees sent stronger as the tree matures? I recall, Texter says, a much more noticeable scent in recent years, wondering if it has anything to do with how fast we grow and cut them. Oh, hmm. boy, that's a good question. It is. I do, I do not know. I did, before the show, look online on the uh, Minnesota Tree Growers 
web page, and that might be an opportunity to ask them. They would know better than I do. Um, I was looking mostly to find, I figured somebody would ask about, uh, you know, how do I take care of my Christmas tree? <laughs> but I don't know about the scent. I think probably different, um, maybe the timing of the cutting is, uh, you know, might have, the tree might have a stronger scent or the type, definitely the type of tree would have an effect on the smell, you know, have that really nice smell. Do you like fresh trees for uh, Christmas? Or, I do. Uh, you do? Yeah. I what's do. The yeah, what, what, what's the process? Do you guys do? How do you cut it, and what? Well, we don't. Well, we don't cut our trees. I have to say that we go to a local nursery or garden center and buy our trees. Um, we are. Uh, we've had really good luck at, at uh, you know our local uh, Bachmans and mm-hmm. um, and F and you know I I know we're not supposed to like vouch for them, but they're super helpful there. So. Well, the the big as Dale, all our garden centers are. <laughs> we're good friends with Dale, and uh, they, they are mm-hmm. great people, and they're big supporters of the U of M and all of the above. So that's that's they that's, are. A, that's a real plus. We appreciate that very much. Absolutely, six five one. Actually, our whole nurse, nursery and landscape association in Minnesota is tremendous. We have very talented, knowledgeable people. We have excellent garden centers that provide locally grown plants. They they're choosing plants that that grow well in Minnesota gardens. So. Um, I can't think of one garden center that I go go to, and I go to a lot of them that I haven't had a good experience. You support them all. That's good. I support them all. They all Absolutely. have their niches. They all have their, uh, you know, their location uh, from a convenience standpoint. I always say make a develop a good relationship with your local garden center. I agree. Texter says this, Julie. In fact, Sandy and I were talking about this last night because we have our our Meyer lemon tree under grow lights as we do oh, good for you. season. Well, I, I see a bunch of uh, lemons on there. They're not as big as they used to be uh, uh, had in, in years past. But here's the question, and we were talking about this very thing. My lemon tree, not mine, the Texter's lemon tree has buds on it. Should I fertilize it? Yes, actually, you should fertilize it. When you see, uh, w- with your house plants, when you see active growth, such as budding or new leaves coming, that is an indication. That's a good indication that you should be fertilizing your plant. And with a citrus tree, you want to use a a product that is for citrus trees. So you want to look online or go to your local garden center and ask them for a fertilizer for a citrus tree indoors. And I I remember hearing, maybe it was Mary, uh, talking about once you see see the... uh, buds that you really need to fertilize. I don't know if that's right. true or not. Is that right. true? Yeah, that plant is putting out, when plants uh, set flowers like that, they are putting a ton of energy uh, into producing those those buds and those flowers and ultimately a lot of energy into producing the fruit. All right. So uh, that's why sometimes you'll see them drop some of the green fruit mm-hmm. because it's just they just can't support all of that fruit. So they'll kind of self-prune. Well, we'll see how we do here <laughs> at right. the home front. Uh, we're, we need to take a break, but let's, uh, Julie, invite our listeners to, to call in or text in some more questions. We do have more texts, but if you want to call in, 651-989-9226. We'll take this break on the Smart Garden Show on a Saturday here on News Talk 830 WCCO. 
And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We are here on CCO every Saturday in the uh, 8 o'clock hour. If you like to talk lawns and gardens, this is the place to be every Saturday. We enjoy your company, and we certainly enjoy the expertise of Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota all the time when, whenever <laughs> Julie's on or your colleagues as well. Julie, uh, callers and texters, and I know uh, we always get crunched for time here at this particular point. Let's get to it. Uh, Karen, I think, is waiting there in St. Paul with a question. Thank you, Karen. What's your question? Yes, I have two house plants. Um, one is an ivy, and I, I don't know what kind it is. The other is a peace plant. And what I'm having a problem with is as I get new growth on each of these plants, and they're in separate pots, the tips of the leaves get black. Um, and so I have sprayed them with an antifungal twice, but it's still happening with the new growth, and I'm not sure what to do. Okay. Uh, a couple things come to mind. One is uh, if the, if the tips are very black, it could be uh, that the plants, if the plants are sitting close to a window and they're maybe touching a window, uh, it could, or if they're near a cold draft, it could be actually basically killing the tips of the plants with, with a, it's called a chill factor. And, uh, and so you might want to move them away if they're near a window or something, just move them away from that so they're not touching the glass. That's one thing. The other thing is the type of water that you're using. So some of these plants have a, um, an issue with fluoride or fluorine that we put into our water, and they are susceptible to uh, they have a kind of a toxic uh, response to that. And so you might want to try watering them with uh, just go and buy a couple of uh, gallons of distilled water, or you can buy reverse osmosis water at grocery stores where you can refill the containers. That water has absolutely nothing in it. And so you can try treating, you can try um, watering them with that. That, uh, what happens is that the fluorine will collect in the tips of the leaves and burn the tips of the leaves. It also will happen if you're using too much fertilizer. Fertilizers are salt, salts are drying, and those salts can collect in the tips of these leaves. And uh, some plants are more susceptible to that, especially if they have long veins in their leaves, like the peace plant that you talk about. So that those could be a couple reasons. I would try using different water and see if that changes it. Don't use your tap water. I would, uh, I would also move the plants if they're near a window and it might be very chilly and they might be touching the window. You, might, you would see that mostly on one side of the plant. So if it's throughout the entire plant, I'm going to guess that it's either the type of water or you might, if you're fertilizing, just back off on the fertilizer. Okay. All right. Let's see who's next. Diane is calling in from Hugo, I believe, this morning. Diane, what's your question for Julie? Yes, I brought in an amaryllis this in October, Ooh, and it's been down it. the basement in a dark area. And I think I should bring it up in December, but... Should I fertilize it right away or wait till I see the first little speck of green on it? Wait till you see it actively growing. Then you can go ahead and just use a mild fertilizer. So that would be about half the recommended strength on the container. And that is the same with the previous caller is to use a very mild fertilizer going forward. And you need to only... Actually, amaryllis are, require very little fertilizer. They're not, uh, not big feeders, so to speak. Okay. So, yes, wait until you see the active growth before you do any fertilizing. 
Julie, I think we have one more time for one more call, and then we'll grab some text messages. Uh, Marilyn is calling in from Egan this morning. Marilyn, you're on with Julie. Yes, I'm calling about my Boston Ivy that I usually have outside on my front porch. I usually go to Arizona, so I got a plastic one in here on my tree plant stand. But I brought that one in, and uh, it doesn't seem like it's getting any new growth. And that thing grows like crazy. Do you think it's not enough water, or should I fertilize it? So Boston Ivy is... um... Boston ivy is an outdoor plant, and it grows along your porch or your wall. Uh, it does not actually need to come inside. Uh, it should be planted in the ground, and it's winter hardy here. So I don't, I'm not exactly sure why it is in, uh, coming indoors. But uh, if it is indoors uh, and you're leaving for Arizona, it's probably not going to do too well without your attention. So you'll... If you can take it with you, that would be great <laughs> and and take care of it, but water it as you would a normal uh, house plant, I guess. I, I really am I'm, I'm a little confused by the question, but okay. that would be, I guess, the, the thoughts I have about that. All right. Is it too late? Texter wants to know to transplant a birch tree. Yeah, you know. I would hold off until spring. It's we're getting a little bit late to do any kind of planting. The soil's getting solid. Um, yeah, hold off till spring and do it then. Then the plant has the entire spring to set it. You know, get its roots reestablished. Question about pruning a- apple trees. What's the window for pruning them, and should it be done every year? It should be done every year. Yes, you will regret it if you do not. Uh, water sprouts are produced by apple trees. Uh, when the, after they've been pruned and they're very hard to, they grow very quickly. They're non-productive parts of the plants, and so you do want to do it every single year. Um, the window for pruning fruit trees, for at least for apple trees, is late winter. So we're looking at late February, March time. And there's an excellent uh, article by our fruit educator Annie Claude on our Yard and Garden News about all different kinds of fruits and when they should be pruned. So take a look at that on Yard and Garden News at extension.umn.edu. Speaking of pruning, Tester says, what time of year is best to prune lilacs? You want to prune any spring-blooming plant like lilacs as soon as they bloom, as soon as they're done blooming. So when the flowers are gone, prune your plants. And that uh, will allow them to set bud then for the next year. If you prune them later in the season, you're pruning off. I mean, you're not going to hurt the plant, except you're going to prune off the flower buds for the following year. Listener wants to know, Julie, what's the best way to winter a hibiscus? Hibiscus are easy to winter. You bring it into the house, clean up the soil. You might want to cut it back. Uh, It may be very large from growing out on your deck or patio. And uh, and cut it back. uh, Give it a nice shape. And then just water it. Put it in a sunny window and water it like you would uh, any other house plant. Feel the soil. That's the big thing. Everybody kills their plants by overwatering. So feel the soil first. Make sure that it actually needs to be watered. All right. Let's see here. I have, I imagine they mean the number four, Venus flytraps. I'm not quite sure what to do with them for winter. And they're uh, in the same containers that I purchased. Uh, What to do? Well, I've never grown a Venus flytrap. Um, that so, I guess I would just 
put them in, uh, I wouldn't put them in direct sunlight. I think they're kind of, they're like more like bog plants. That might be a good question for one of our local garden centers that sells them. Or look it up in, in a book. Uh, you know, you can Google it on online and see what it says about Venus flytraps. I'm guessing that not direct sunlight, and I would keep them in a fairly warm location so that they, uh, I don't think they really prefer a cooler location. I'm really not sure. That's a great, I've been stumped. That's a, that's a stumper for me right there. Well, now you have some homework to do. <laughs> You're going to have to feed them, I guess. <laughs> uh, text, I think this may be your last one. Tr- trying to winter a number of hydrangeas above ground, bunch them together, buried in leaves, covered with insulated blanket on north side of the house uh, in the shade. Any comments on that? They're trying to mm. winter a number of hydrangeas. It sounds like they didn't get these hydrangeas planted, and they're in their containers and they've buried the containers. I think you've done about as good as you can at this point. And uh, just in the spring, I guess, you know, and, and if we get enough snow, that will also help, too, to insulate that area. Um, yeah, and in the spring, just unbury the tops as, as uh, they start to grow and then get them planted in the ground. All right. Julie, we have about 30 <laughs> seconds to go. And uh, folks that know Julie and the rest of the uh, abiders, she's with a musical group called The Abiders. And the final question is on the text line, are the abiders doing virtual concerts? (laughs) We are not. We are not. We're on a COVID hiatus at this point. We're writing. I'm writing a lot of music and things, but uh, that's good. Yeah, we haven't. I know we haven't uh, haven't done any uh, any playing for quite some time. So we wish we could. We we do, too. And and our final note, uh, tell us about the university website in about 10 seconds. Uh, extension.umn.edu, go to Yard and Garden. You can also use a search box to just type in your question. And remember that you can send questions to Ask Extension via the Ask a Master Gardener tool on that page. It's great, great uh, resource. Julie, thanks so much. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and Carl and everybody Thanks, else and all the abiders. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Bye. Julie. Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.